Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Denalysis Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, the crestfallen man, Dan. As always, I'm joined by Natalie and we are here today. We're gathered here today to do a little review on game week five. That's right. The fifth week of games is here and it's just happened and, and lots of things happened. Lots of things that I didn't particularly want to happen happened. And the things that I did want to happen did not happen. So I guess you can get from that how my game week has been. But also we have Natalie here, who I think it would be fair to say you could be pretty pretty pleased with your efforts this week, right? All things considered, and all of the things being that I only managed to field nine players. Yeah, I'd say it was successful. Apart from the fact that I only managed to field nine players. But does it really matter? I mean, when you're up in those higher echelons of the the <laughs> scorings, the score? No, it doesn't. Well, obviously it didn't for me. Everyone who I played today only got a maximum of two points and I had like five people playing today. So hmm. it's what it is. That is kind of the worst, isn't it? I, I really hate that when you have like, you get to the final day of the game week and it's like, yeah, I've still got loads of players to play. I can overtake everyone. It seems like it always ends badly and i don't know that's probably just complete survivorship bias and and a dumb take on my behalf but it always feels that way to me like i'm like yeah i've got my captain in the bank i've got lukaku coming last game this week and he's gonna smash it and then he makes the ill-fated mistake of passing to timo Werner, and we all know how that plays out when you when you pass to timo bad bad timo bad guy um but before we get into the review of the week shall we have a little look at our top scorers in the denalysis liga yes we can boom Um, boom boom exactly yeah there were some from last week that we didn't do because um things hadn't updated or they probably had by the time we finished but i hadn't checked and actually i didn't check until after this game week had started so Hopefully, I'm sorry if this is incorrect, but I believe that the top scorers <laughs> from game week four were Armando Moreno and John McMahon again, both with 89 points. God damn. Uh, and our top game week five top scorers were, well, there were three, all on 84 points. One mysteriously just named PL. Oh my God. Yeah. It's the Premier League. <laughs> the, the Premier League is in our league. <laughs> it's the Premier League. Uh, David McKenzie and Poppy Wilkins, bad bitch herself. Shout out <laughs> to all the bad bitches in the league. Shout out, shout out to all, all the honeys making money. Mm. Um, throw your hands about me. I hope she is making money. I hope she's, making, <laughs> I hope she's stacking bare cheddar. Well, she's stacking FPL points, and to be honest, that is currency in in our world. So that is true. I respect <laughs> it. I just, if anyone felt bad about their week, no, uh, uh, no shade, Jorge. But like, what a fall from grace <laughs> from being our top scorer the other week. This week, oh, no. he's only managed like twenty five points. <laughs> so oh does, man! How does that happen? You know what though. I guess it's good in a sense. Like it could be slightly worse. What would be worse is if he'd played a wild card and that had happened. <laughs> yeah. I know that I've done that sort of thing before, or like I've had like one week that's been really like sensationally outstanding because I've just had a team full of differentials. Mm. And I'll have them on that week where everything just goes crazy and I'll get like 130 points and everyone else is on like 30. So have like a big jump up the league and I'll be like, yeah, I'm a genius. I, I, I knew this all along. And then the next week I'm on like 20 points again and everyone else overtakes me. And it's, it's, it's tough. But, you know, I'd take a, a, big, a big massive week with a, a pretty shitty underwhelming one after if that's the cost of doing business because, you know, it is what it is. But let's kick off our game week five review. And uh to be honest, I mean, a lot of the stuff that we're going to talk about here is stuff that we've already talked about anyway, hey. because it doesn't seem like there are too many new... Don't, don't do my guys like that. There's at least one thing here we haven't really spoken about. Okay. 
I, I was just, you know, getting in ahead of it, being like, you know, there wasn't too much crazy stuff that happened this week, really. Um, but there have been some, you know, some maybe stock rising type characters because Ismail Asar just absolutely smashed it with two goals. And I guess the caveat with this one, which you've quite succinctly put <laughs> in an, our notes is, are they actually good or are they just playing Norwich? Which is kind of the question of the, the eternal question, isn't it? Yeah. Because yeah. they were just playing Norwich and the actually good bit. How can we possibly know? What do you think? Well, I think it's important to note that there were some changes to the starting lineup. Kiko being uh, the most important one. He did only play 58 minutes, but obviously did create the uh, Bogolo for uh, Denise, um, which is obviously <laughs> important. I wonder if um, whoever it was, Pookie, hadn't had that shot, whether Ben Foster actually might have kept a clean sheet as well in this game. Yeah, that was that was a weird one. I didn't even realise um, until match of the day, even though you had told me um, <laughs> that Ben Foster was playing. And then I, I didn't even realise when I was watching the highlights. And I guess, like, I really struggle to watch the highlights anyway because I find them, like, it's kind of like trashy TV where I find myself looking at my phone a lot of yeah. the time. And then I'll sort of look up for bits that seem exciting. But, like, with a normal match, I can kind of do that and you can follow the thread mm. of it or you can be, like as engaged as you want when it's highlights i'm always like eh, you know I'll, I'll look up when it seems exciting yeah i think it's tough with match of the day as well like if you have been paying attention all day so you know mm. what the scores are you know who scored when you kind of have a mm. good idea of what's going on like if you've been out all saturday and you just have like a vague idea of who won then i think match of the day is a lot more interesting if like yeah. us where you were just sitting at home watching it unfold <laughs> watching the scores yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's very true. And like, I hate it when I have the match, when they show the matches that have been on TV as well. Yeah. And you're just like, I've already seen this. What are you doing? Get get it out of my face. Um, but yeah, it, it was kind of, the goal was not great from Watford's uh, point of view. I mean, this is what's kind of funny about it is that I did look at the goalkeeper and thought, what is he doing here? Like, it, it felt like he should have should have been higher up. Like most sort of good goalkeepers, I'd expect to be a bit higher there. And the space that Pookie had to run into, he's like he's not the fastest player in the league. And it seemed like he had the ball sort of bounced in that middle bit there and just no one was there. So it, it felt to me kind of a little bit like that was some bad goalkeeping potentially mixed with a bad defensive line. Uh, just for the fact that there was no one, you know, there was no defender covering and the goalkeeper wasn't there to come out and claim it because in the end it became a really easy chance for Pookie and a really good finish. Um, what, what do you think of Pookie, by the way, based on this? I mean, it feels to me that he's still not an option, like especially when there are other guys that we can probably talk about who are in that same price range. But Yeah, uh, how much is Pookie? Uh, 5.9 now, yeah, for sure. There are other men, my guy. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to see when Norwich are going to score goals. Mm. Uh, like, obviously, if they are going to score, it's going to be Pookie. Um, but I'm just not sure it's worth... It feels like a risky move. Yeah, I, I was just uh, curious if you had any takes on that. But, of course, the guy we are talking about, Ismail Asar... Two goals in this game. Pretty good performance. I mean, he was a constant threat. I think he's quite a bad finisher, but I think that's also fine. Like when you're an attacking player and you're getting loads and loads of chances. I think uh, quite comparable player in that sense is Diego Jota, like a guy who will constantly shoot. He'll finish every game with sort of four, five, six shots and probably a few sitters that he misses on the way. But that's part of the reason why he scores as well, because he's so active and because he's taking so many shots. I feel like Ismail Asar is that, but for a much worse team. <laughs> and that is kind of the question, because they come up against a bunch of teams that I actually think, looking at it, seems like a pretty decent run. So they've got Newcastle next, who are kind of... I wouldn't say they're like deep in a relegation battle right now, but they're kind of fighting for fighting for status more than anything else or fighting to get the fans off their back 
And they've got Leeds after that, who have had a disastrous start. Liverpool after that, who, lest we forget, Watford were the team who broke Liverpool's unbeaten home record at Anfield two years ago. And it was Ismail Lassar in that game who scored, I think, a brace. Um, and then after that, they face Everton, Southampton, Arsenal. So that, to me, looks like a pretty, pretty decent run. And I guess at 6.1, this is what got me kind of looking at him and thinking, hmm, okay, if I hadn't just played my wild card, I would be very tempted because he's a, a very appealing price range. And I think looking for players in that like 5.5 to like 6.5 range is kind of where you're going to get, where you've got to get a lot of value and where you're going to get a leg up on, on people in your leagues. So that is very interesting to me. I certainly think if you're in a position where you're looking at making one transfer this week and your your midfield is looking kind of weak, um, or you're you're kind of planning uh, planning to get Lukaku or Ronaldo, for example, and you need to free up some money in midfield, he does look like a guy who, even in this run, you know, I'd be comfortable playing him against Liverpool, um, and it's it's a question for me of whether whether or not Watford can keep creating the chances for him but certainly if it's I I mean Newcastle right Newcastle and Leeds those are two teams who are playing chaotic football right now so I wouldn't expect anything less than there to be a lot of chances in those games um it's probably the ones after you'd have more questions about like Liverpool and, and Southampton and even Arsenal to an extent um but Josh King as well he he popped up 5.5 million striker Played the full 90 and I didn't even realise he had two assists, but mm-hmm. it says here he had two assists. Yeah, he assisted both of the SAR goals. Yeah. You know, one was a really decent cross. And actually, this is an interesting one because there aren't really any strikers in this price range, are there? They're not any playing ones. Yeah, this is the, the alternative to Puki, I think, that would just be better. If you yeah. did need a cheap forward to facilitate hmm. something else. I don't think Josh King... It doesn't seem like Josh King is a bad option. Um, hmm. So he started the last couple of games, but this was the first one where he played the full 90. Yeah. And, I mean, came to fruition, didn't it? <laughs> it, it does seem like he's probably going to be sort of one of the main men there. And I think at that price, like that's a really good facilitator for you to be able to get in better players around him just having someone who's playing and someone who you know he's fairly premier league proven as well he's had some really good seasons in the premier league he's had some slightly less illuminating ones but yeah i i do like that price point a lot um and i think it's you know you're gonna have to cut somewhere in your team at some point probably or if you haven't already got like a good structure and both saw and josh king i think are kind of the primary options for doing that with a few exceptions, of course, because we also have the Brentford boys. We have Ivan Tony, who's had another good week with, well, his best week so far, actually, with a goal and an assist and three bonus points. And generally just looks a really, really strong uh, proposition, whoever they're playing against. He he gets really involved in the game. He creates chances as well as uh, gets on the end of them and... Watford in particular, uh, sorry, not Watford, um, Wolves, it's Wolves, that's who I'm thinking of (laughs) in particular. They did look pretty scared of how physical he was, and that's kind of how the the foul came about that led to the penalty. He won the penalty, he took the penalty very calmly, and he just seems like a guy who's just has tremendous confidence, and the team has tremendous confidence, and he, of course, assisted... Brian and Burmo, who is another one of those options in the cheap range for midfielders at 5.5. He came away with a goal, and I think that's, what, his second or third goal this season already? And Burmo. Yeah. It was his first Premier League one. He had one in the Carabao. Right, okay. But yeah, he looked really impressive. I mean, he's had chances. I think that's what I was thinking back to. Last Mm, week we spoke about him, didn't we? And how he had about 50 chances in that last game and and didn't score any. And it was really Tony who was was kind of in the background in that one. Um, But yeah, he walked away with eight points, Tony with 12. And another clean sheet for Brentford as well, which makes their defence a pretty pretty enticing uh, proposition. 
So up next, they have Liverpool, West Ham, Chelsea, Leicester, Burnley and Norwich. And I guess your take, Natalie, with that tricky looking fixture list in mind, what is your overall sort of consensus on on the Brentford lads? I mean, for me, I'm keeping I have Tony and Raya um, and I'm keeping them both because at least Tony is like a guaranteed two points every week. And if he scores or whatever, that's a bonus. Hmm. Um, so I think he's worth just having around. Uh, yeah. Also, I don't have enough players at the moment to be able to get rid of him, <laughs> uh, so it's not really an option. But I think I had this um, a couple of seasons ago as well. I think it was the last season when we were doing the podcast around this time, and it got, it came to the second international break. Everyone was wild carding, and I didn't know what to do. I didn't. I could have done it, and then in the end, I just didn't bother. So I just was like, hmm. "Oh, my team's okay." I won't do it. And I ended up having a really good run because I hadn't shipped out the players that I like maybe hadn't been performing as well as I thought they could have been. And that's exactly what I've had here this week with Saar and Tony. Like if I'd wildcarded last week, mm, I don't know if I would have got rid of Tony, but Saar definitely would have been on the chopping block. And I remember saying to you a couple of weeks ago, like Norwich is his last chance. (laughs) <laughs> to do something and it came through but I think quite a few people probably would have been burned this week by getting rid of players like those two on their wild cards recently hmm. um I don't know what my point is I guess my point is I'm good at this game because I haven't wild carded uh, <laughs> I'm actually a genius and I'm telling you now. yeah I don't know I I guess it's continuing on our stance of like we just don't know enough about quite a few of these players to be able to yeah. make decisions on whether they should or shouldn't be in a wildcard team I guess yeah. um but so yeah I'd stick with Brentford I think it's interesting what you say about Watford players like being interested in them because I think if I didn't have Saar mm. I wouldn't be looking to get him in yeah because I have him I'll stick because I don't have any choice um but yeah, I think if I didn't have him, I don't know if I'd be tempted. I feel like maybe I would have... It's the Norwich-Newcastle-Leeds run that I would have wanted him in for. Yeah. And now we're already one into that three. Yeah. I don't know if I'd be that arse. I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of difficult. I mean, the reason, um, the reason players like Saar stick out to me... Is because I've been planning, like I, I wildcarded last week, and I'm one of the the victims of the uh, the, the Tony, the Tony, uh, what would you call it? Like, uh, but I chucked him out of my team, is what I'm saying. And uh, the Tony transfer. He, well, yeah, quite, quite literally. <laughs> um, if you want to put it that way, that is what I did. I transferred him. I removed him. Um, I threw him overboard callously without a, a second thought, and then I realised, wait a minute, this guy he's gonna he's gonna do goals against Wolves, and I guess like part of it was last week I was pretty hot on Wolves, and I still am. Um, I, I think more than anything, it's the quality of performance that Brentford put in that kind of uh, really just completely stifled Wolves and their ability to create any chances I mean the first half they had a bunch of shots they were all from outside the box the second half all they did was try to cross it in and it was kind of hopeless really because Traore just kept getting into great positions and then floating it out for a throw in and it it just seemed really stupid uh, from a tactical point of view even though I could see like they tried to change something um, Brentford just dealt with the entire game just perfectly i mean they they restricted any space that that wolves wanted to operate in they kept a really like solid defensive shape and i think we're going to see loads of this brentford just frustrating bigger teams or or teams that are trying to play football and hitting them on the counter and they they play in such a way that's like so um it just feels aggressive i think that's probably the best word to to put to it and that's why guys like Tony and Mbermo really stand out because it doesn't matter who they're playing like they're going to get involved in the battle and they're going to take shots from uh, from wherever they can wherever they can really so they're probably a bit better than than Watford but yeah I'm looking at that price range because I have Pogba and he's a guy that 
I've been targeting removing after either this game week or the following game week when they play Aston Villa. And to be honest, today's game against um, West Ham did not fill me with any confidence that I should be holding on to anyone from Man United. And I've kind of been planning ahead of time, looking at the fixture on they have coming and thinking, I don't really want them in big games. I mean, we already know what happens for Man United in most big games is they're either a one nil to the opposition or it's a nil nil like under Solskjaer that has been the trend um and I'm thinking of a way that I can kind of free up some cash to bring in someone like Van Dyke potentially because uh, he was a, a candidate on my wild card that I couldn't quite fit in because of price ranges and if I'd had Saar for example I would have easily been able to fit him in so that's kind of why I'm looking at that range but I do think Saar maybe um I probably wouldn't have the confidence to go for him right now. I'd probably be looking... Uh, you know what? But that's it. It's it's those Brentford fixtures. It's Liverpool, West Ham, Chelsea. Like, those are three games that I think two of them they're going to have a really tough time in. So, and Burmo seems like a... Seems like too much of a punt. You you know what about Mbermo, though? 0.8% owned. Hmm. So, a big differential. Huge. Massive. Yeah, and cheaper than Tony. Yeah. And I do think he will be a player that you see getting a couple of braces here and there. Um, just because, yeah, they're, they're attacking line. It's They take shots early. Uh, that's the thing I like about them. It's like they seem really just um, really confident and really brave. And, and every time they get the ball in an area where they can take a shot, they're just like, fuck it, I'm going to do it. And there's something about that style of football that I kind of... I love um and I don't really see that from Watford quite so much I feel like they're a team that against better sides they'll kind of they'll kind of shrink a little bit um but there is a question mark you know they're trying to stay up and they're playing Newcastle and Leeds next those two fixtures look really good but maybe maybe it, this is an instance where it it kind of makes sense to look at the form over the fixtures and I think Brentford are showing that they are able to compete with just about everyone and I wouldn't write write them off against Liverpool probably wouldn't expect them to win but I might expect them to get on the score sheet especially knowing that Liverpool are playing Champions League and you know they quite heavily rotated this week against Palace they ended up walking away with quite a a comfortable win but I think Brentford are the kind of team that they they play in a way that can frustrate Liverpool because they're they're good at pressing and they're good at defending they're kind of just good at everything that you need to be good at to beat a big team um so yeah, I could I could absolutely see them walking away with a goal or two in that. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think you're right in the sense that holding on to these players kind of makes sense rather than sort of trying to bomb them out. I'm just a bit bummed because the Tony one was like, just for Aubameyang. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, Arsenal uh, got a win, but certainly nothing from him. And that that's kind of what messed with my structure because I've got a 9.9 attacker now and I could have just stuck with a bunch of cheapo guys and, and actually been more successful this week. But it is what it is. I still rate Arsenal's fixture run. Um, yeah, surely against Spurs, you're looking at Aubameyang to do something. <laughs> I, I hope so. I mean, Spurs were getting a lot of love on the TV today for their sort of first 20 minutes of the game against Chelsea, which I thought was quite interesting. Um they started quite well. They were they were pressing. They were very energetic. They didn't score any goals. And then at the end of the game, when they were 3-0 down, Martin Tyler was like, we mustn't forget the first half, though. Like, they, they did so much good stuff in that first half. And I was like, man, I don't know if you're that complimentary of teams that do this against Chelsea usually. It, it felt a little bit like they were really trying to be positive about it in a way that... I I find they're usually quite critical, you know, if if a team does badly against a big team, they're like, oh, they're just, they've fallen apart or whatever. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, moving on, Livermento, Southampton, Defender, 4.1. Very good performance from Southampton. Very unlucky uh, to walk away without a, a victory in this match because, I mean, they should have had a penalty. No question about it. I think you'd be hard-pressed to find someone who isn't a City fan who disagrees. Um, because Carl Walker fouled uh, Armstrong. 
and VAR decided to overturn it for some reason, but Southampton managed to hold on and if it were, I guess perhaps fortuitously with Sterling's greediness. Did you do you recall the Sterling goal that never was? No, I actually got fed up with uh, Match of the Day by the time it got to this point, so I wasn't watching. Yeah, so what happened essentially was Foden had a shot and Sterling was offside. The keeper saved it and Foden was going to get there to tap it in. But um... Sterling, Sterling actually like ran like his life depended on it to get there first and kicked it in. But Went to VAR. Offside. Yeah, obviously Foden couldn't be offside because he was the man who took the shot. Mm. So, but Sterling got there and they both kind of kicked it in at the same time. But uh, it went to VAR and they ruled it out, I guess, a judging uh, Sterling to be the goal scorer. Mm. But overall, I think it was deserved. I mean, Southampton, we talked about this probably in game week two after they had a, a pretty uh, rocky start to the season that they were probably going to take a more sort of streetwise approach shall we say to their defensive um performances and ever since that that point they've just they've been really really solid they've done a really good job against the big teams and you know they've been unlucky here and there to not get results i think they lost against united when they were probably the better team for a lot of the game um and yeah they walked away with a draw against city uh livermento at 4.1 he's a very interesting option especially if the uh the performances stay this kind of solid uh they do face wolves chelsea leeds in their next three and those are all teams that are likely to to approach things with a more attacking style so i would expect them to continue in this kind of like organized way that they're playing at the moment there is maybe a question mark over does livermento keep his place because he's 18 years old and i don't think he was actually intended to be the starter when uh for this season they did sign a guy called i think it's uh perro um and he came off the bench for livramento quite late on is it perro yeah perro you could tell me anything at this point and i'd just believe it <laughs> so he's 4.9 but like i, I think livramento's performances have been really good I-, I think in this instance the reason he came off was because he'd been booked for a foul that potentially could have been a red like he it was one of those where he took a bad touch and because he'd overrun it he kind of lunged at the uh i think it was sterling and sterling kind of did the little routine you know rolling around in pain but it did look like a pretty bad challenge but he got booked for that and then perro came off the bench um but certainly i mean if he keeps his place he seems a really good option just just because of the price more than anything else you always need a like 4.0 4.1 guy who can be a, a facilitator in there and if he's playing and he's playing in a team that's keeping a lot of clean sheets then it's a no-brainer really um i don't i guess i don't really have too much more to say about him or southampton i, I think they're just playing really really well at the moment what what are your thoughts yeah i just um i put him in because i feel like every other fantasy football um outlet has um has mentioned Livermento and I know we like briefly mentioned him last week but we haven't hmm. really talked about him and Southampton as a whole but yeah I mean Livermento seems to have his place on lock for now I think I was looking at, obviously we can't see the matches because 3 p.m stupid but um I did have a look on match of the day to see sort of where he was playing because obviously Carl Walker-Peters is usually the the right back or the right wing back for Southampton. And it looks like Carl Walker-Peters is playing as a left wing back because obviously they lost um, Ryan Bertrand in the summer to Leicester. So I think Livermento is going to keep that place as long as he's playing well. And Walker-Peters has got to be like a makeshift left back. And that seems to be working. And why change it i guess it it's uh it's been a solid solid strap so far i do think adam armstrong at 6.0 a guy that i have on my on my wildcard team actually i haven't used him yet he looks a threat he i'm not sure how good he is it's very difficult when you've got other people who have been you know actively scoring in that price range but at a little bit of a cheaper price than those sort of like 7 million and above midfielders he does look like a guy that if Southampton start going on a bit of a scoring run, if they 
start playing against some teams more at their sort of general level, I think he could be an interesting option because he did, of course, win the penalty that was overturned in this game. And I think he finds he finds himself in a lot of good positions. The question mark over him is, is he going to be finishing those chances if he if he gets them more consistently? Um, but another point in his favour, I did notice that Shea Adams was the player that was subbed off rather than Armstrong. So perhaps he is kind of like a 90 minute guy as well, which would be very useful for a guy that cheap. Um, moving on, the Liverpool defence, it's back at its brilliant best, it seems. And they've got a pretty, pretty OK fixture uh, run on the horizon. Of course, Trent missed out on um, on this game due to illness. But as did Robertson, as did Robertson for, for a little rest, I assume. Yeah, I I think he was on the bench. Yeah. Um. So he wasn't ill, but he he did miss the game. And Matip yeah, was much, rested as well, right? Yeah, Matip. So the back line was completely changed from the midweek fixture. I think they played Gomez, Matip, Robertson, and Alexander Arnold for the Champions League game, and this one was, of course, James Milner. Kanate, Van Dyke, and Shimakas. You know who's really tall? Kanate. I don't Is know he? if everyone else was just tiny, but he looked like an absolute giant. A giant See, man. I thought he was only six foot, which is still tall, but. Oh, maybe he's not that. Maybe just everyone else was really tiny. How tall is 1.94 meters? I think it's like about. It must be 6'4. Oh, 6'4. So he you're is right. Fairly he is, tall. He's pretty tall. Yeah. I'll give you that one. Um, yeah, that's that's a big guy. I, I guess that's kind of the question mark, right? Like with the Champions League in the equation, it's very difficult to know what Klopp is going to do. And I think Van Dijk in particular is a tricky one because he is a guy that if he hadn't had this massive injury, I have no doubt he'd be playing three games a week right now. But I get the impression that Klopp is being a little bit careful with him, knowing that, you know, they lost him for a long time and they don't want to aggravate that injury. They don't want to lose him again. And they do have four good options at centre-back with Gomez, Konate, Van Dijk and Matip. They've all, I think the the first choice is Matip and um, Van Dijk. But also I think they're going to mix and match just because they have to with the amount of fixtures on the horizon. So it does raise a question mark. I mean, I think you generally, if you're going to have any Liverpool defender, it kind of has to be Alexander-Arnold at this point, right? I mean, Robertson isn't hitting the same assist numbers he was a few years ago. Um, He is a little bit cheaper, but I think not enough to sort of justify it. And most of Liverpool's play does go through him. But the second defender which I think it, there's a very valid point to having one. Who is that? Is that how, how do you pick that one? I, like, I think if I didn't have... Surely most people have one. But it's funny, though, because, like, Trent is only 35% owned. Hmm. He went up in value at the end of this week. So it's a bit odd. I don't really know what people are doing. Um, but if I didn't have one right now, hmm. I'd be getting Van Dyke in. He'd be hmm. the one... Like he to me seems like the obvious choice. Um, yeah, we all know I don't double up on defense, so a second one just isn't an option for me. Thank you, Dan. Yeah, yeah. So I've got Matip, but obviously I'm feeling a bit annoyed about that this week because uh, yeah, he again. It's one of those things. It was like I had to make it fit with the budget, and it feels dumb when you do it and then it immediately doesn't work in the first week that you you roll with that team. But I'm sure he will come back in for future games. It's just, I mean, maybe even it, it becomes a situation where there's like a sort of two game run, right? So like maybe Van Dyke and and Konate play the next Champions League game, and then it's Matip and Gomez in the league or something. Mm something like that because it's a way of managing the games right so they're getting like a bit of a a rhythm but they're not they're not playing three in a week they're playing sort of two in a week then getting rest for two games or something so this midweek where they're playing Norwich in the Carabao I'm thinking well surely it's got to be like the B team guys like it's got to be your Shimakas's yeah maybe Kanate gets another run out like 
Surely. I think Kanate will play, but I think the rest of the team will be kids. Yeah. And I think Shimakas will get in that as well. But yeah, Klopp has never taken the cup seriously <laughs> because they're just like a, a place to play the kids and it doesn't matter. Like no one cares if you lose in them um, because he's going for the big prizes. He wants to win the league and the Champions League. So I, I think he generally sees it as like a, a blot on the calendar that he wants nothing to do with. And as such, you'll see a team that kind of reflects that. Um but yeah, I, I do agree with you in that if you can, you know, it's got to be Van Dyke. You got to find a way to get him as your second, and that is kind of one of the reasons I'm looking already at. You know, should I move Pogba out? I, th- I think realistically, what I'm going to do this week is I'm going to bank my transfer because I've just wildcarded. Like I don't need to change anything. It'd just be sort of overreacting, um, and my team looks fine for the next week. Like I've got a selection dilemma. So um, Mm. I'm not too bothered about it. But when you have that immediate performance, because Van Dyke got an assist, of course, in this game week. So he ended up finishing, I think, on 12 points, um, which would have been a really nice return. And like, I guess he would have been kind of a differential this week because Trent is the guy that most people own. So, um, yeah, there's an opportunity there. But they're, they're looking strong. I guess it's just fixtures could be tricky. I mean, they have Man City, Man United uh, in the next five, in the next four, but they have a bunch of sort of lower-ranked teams also. Moving on to another defence, the Chelsea defence. Of course, had a very good performance this week because pretty much all of them scored and none of the attackers scored. That's good, isn't it? It do be like that sometimes. It do be like that. When you look at the score and you see Chelsea 3, Spurs 0, <laughs> you're probably thinking the score sheet's got to be telling you something different. But when you look at it and it says Rudiger, Thiago Silva and Conte, yeah, you, you know it's been a strange week. <laughs> yeah, it's like that time, it was years ago, like probably my first or second fantasy yeah. year. And um, like Man City, I don't know who they'd played, someone trash. Yeah. And they'd won like five or six nil. And mm. I was like, sick. Sano will have done something. Yeah. And I opened up the app and he had done <laughs> nothing. And I was like, how? How is this possible? <laughs> Didn't that happen like last season or the season before as well? I swear it happened with West Ham and they won like seven nil. But Antonio didn't score it. He got like one point. And I think there was someone else who was quite popular at that time as well. Like all the goals came from like four nows and, and guys like that, um, who at the time literally nobody owned. <clears throat> so that, yeah, it do be like that sometimes. It's, uh, <laughs> it's wild. But yeah, that was, so this was a, a disappointment for me because Lukaku, I did captain him. I went ahead with it. I knew it was a risk and I could have had a much better week if I'd just stuck with Salah, but you know, it is what it is. I thought he would score. And I thought he played pretty well overall, mm. but it was all about the Chelsea defence in this game. Very strong performance. I think Spurs started well. We spoke a bit about that earlier. They um they really put the press on and tried to disrupt Chelsea playing it out from the back. But it didn't really amount to anything, and I don't think they really put them under too much threat. And um, Rudiger and Thiago Silva, pretty much imperious all throughout. And... Uh, Christensen maybe looked a little bit a little bit overwhelmed at times, made some sort of dodgy fouls that easily could have picked up a card, but he looked pretty strong as well. And yeah, the question here is just who are the starters? And I think really Rudiger seems to be sticking out to me at 5.5 as a guy who's really had a resurgence under under Tuchel. And there's talks about him getting a new contract. He's obviously scored today. And he looks like the guy who I think will play most games just purely because of his his age. Like Thiago Silva is 36 or something. Like he's not going to be playing every week. He's got to be sort of used sparingly. And I think beyond that, it's kind of a rotation between Christensen and Reese James and Azpilicueta and uh, Chalabar. So, oh, Alonso, I didn't mention, of course, but we hate Alonso. We don't talk about Alonso on <laughs> we this We don't podcast. talk about Alonso. But, and he did actually get outscored by Rudiger and Thiago Silva today. So Deservedly you know. so. So what are your thoughts? Are you looking at them? and I, Their fixture run is pretty decent. Um, Man City next, and I reckon they'll probably win, to be honest, because <laughs> City 
I'm just not convinced by them at the moment. After that, Southampton, Brentford, Norwich, Newcastle, Burnley. Yeah, I like it. Um, if I wasn't trying to get Lukaku in, um, I'd certainly be switching Shaw for Rudiger, like without a doubt. Shaw has tested my patience, and it's worn it's worn too thin. Yeah. Um, I never should have got him in. I only got him in because everyone else was. Hmm. Um, which is you shouldn't do that. Don't do that. Um, it was. I didn't think it was a mistake, but his time has passed. So Shaw is out this week anyway, or maybe next week. We'll see. It's a situation, hmm. obviously, because I can't field enough players. Um, yeah, if I wasn't trying to get Lukaku in, Rudiger would be in 100%. On Shaw, I mean, I think he started the season well, but it's it's Man United's defence that you just can't trust at the moment. They... They are conceding a goal a game, and it's usually him picking up an assist that gets the points. So, yeah, have they even kept a clean sheet this season? I think they have, um, but I think it's only been one. Uh, I'm just looking against Wolves, where they oh. shouldn't have kept a clean sheet because Wolves had a million chances. Yeah, um, yeah, that's their only clean sheet so far. Mm. Embarrassing. And yeah, I, I think it's generally accepted that United are going to concede a goal a game. It, they're not very solid, even with like Varane coming in. Mm. Um, I think it'll be when they play against really poor sides, you'll kind of see them picking up some clean sheets. But I don't think I'm looking at them and not thinking that they're representing a huge amount of value in the defensive. Or, I mean, besides Ronaldo, and I still think that price is too high compared to what other players are priced at who who are in more competitive, more reliable teams. Um, Man United to me just look they don't look right uh they they look like they have good talented individuals but I don't think they're gonna sort of run away with the league or anything you know what they should do is just stop playing Ronaldo and play Lingard instead well imagine if they had just hadn't paid that money for Ronaldo they could have just played Lingard there yeah it it seems like it wouldn't be a crazy idea I mean he certainly runs more which uh <laughs> and complains less useful yeah. Yeah, I mean Ronaldo did dive a lot today. It was it was quite poor really. There was there was one that should have been a penalty, but I'm sure yeah. it's because he dived in the first two that he didn't get it. And and also uh West Ham were a bit mugged off as well because they did have what I thought was a, a clear penalty uh, denied by the, the VAR. Um so yeah, swings and roundabouts. But yeah, Chelsea look really strong. I think Rudiger looks like a really nice option and it's one that it's one that I could do in uh, after this week, and I hadn't really thought about it until now. And now I'm thinking, damn, they they look really solid. They're just controlling games so confidently, and I don't know. I think they're gonna they're gonna be tough to beat this season for sure. Um, another defensive player that that we've got our eyes on, so much so that we both already have him in our teams, uh, is Guaita. The goalkeeper for Crystal Palace had another good game against Liverpool. I, I guess to be expected to some extent because he's going to be facing a lot of shots, um, and he made a lot of saves. Uh, he's had a good season so far, and I think they just have a pretty decent run coming up with Brighton, Leicester, Arsenal, Newcastle, City, and Wolves. I mean, Arsenal and City are in there. Uh, I, I guess, you know, depends on your, your general sort of feeling about Arsenal at the moment. Leicester are also a team that I'm not quite so sure about at the moment, but I think there are a lot of opportunities for saves in there, and Palace are looking relatively decent. I think in these games against these lower-ranked sides, you'll probably see a a pretty decent decent performance from them. Um, and certainly at the price 4.5, you know, he's a guy who's traditionally been 5.0 or 5.5, so it makes a lot of... well. I think he's always been 5.0. I don't think he's been higher than that. Um, but definitely, yeah, a good little option to to throw out there. Um, one more guy I did want to mention, actually, is San Maximan. Oh, So yeah. he, he has been pretty sensational for the start of this season. And he is another one of those guys who you can pick up really cheap at 6.6. He's actually the fourth top scoring forward. Wow. Um, and he's only blanked in one game so far and probably could have scored more in a bunch of these games. And he's kind of piqued my interest because 
Newcastle are not... They don't really seem an overly functional team, but the way that they are playing does seem to be, much like Wolves with Traore, they just kind of give him free reign to do what he wants. And he's such a unique threat that like no one seems to be able to deal with that the chances are, you know, he's got to take so many shots, like he'll, he'll score in most games. Um, and I think it just depends if the, how much the, uh, how confidently the other team is able to, to deal with that kind of threat. Uh, but certainly with like Joe, uh, Joe Linton and Willock sort of looking a bit better well, Willock is decent anyway, but Joe Linton looks fairly decent for a guy who, you know, they definitely overpaid for, but he's kind of actually posing some threat to the opposition now. And they do look kind of decent on the counter-attack. So I think he's an interesting proposition there. And they don't have too many tricky fixtures on the horizon. I mean, it's Watford, Wolves, Spurs, Crystal Palace. Then they play Chelsea, which is diff- difficult. But after that, Brighton, Brentford, Arsenal, Norwich, Burnley... Like they're basically playing mid-table teams with a, a few tricky ones in there uh, mixed in. So I do think at six point six, like that is, he could potentially be one of the the real like value players of the season if he keeps us up. And I see no reason why not. I guess it's just a question of can he keep up this sort of streak of finishing? Because for a team that don't really create a lot of chances, he seems to be the guy who gets gets absolutely everything just with his with his running um you know contrast that with Danny Ings who's barely had a sniff in the last few games I know he got an assist in this last one but it wasn't an assist he he well I guess it was actually it was a pretty good pass um but it was really all about Leon Bailey's finish so Maxman it's in hindsight like he was really the obvious move when I was getting rid of Wilson and I was Hmm. blindsided by Calvert-Lewin thinking that was going to be the oracle um, mm. and obviously it wasn't so that's it's a bit frustrating for me because I'm obviously I had Wilson for a reason yeah and some X-Men really could have been for the, in for the same reason alas we move um, yeah something else interesting about the Newcastle game which I didn't uh, process until just now that Carl Darlow was back after his uh, yeah. long COVID spell. Um, eight points, despite conceding a goal. Nine saves. Nine saves and three bonus points. This completely passed me by. <laughs> Are you okay, Carl? Like, That's crazy. <laughs> that timeout has really done you some good. Cause well, this, we it. may have our first recorded case of COVID actually improve, improving <laughs> someone's performance. That's incredible. How much is he? <laughs> I want him. Uh, I want him now. 4.5. 4. So maybe that's a good, like, who do I have? Oh, I just got Ryan. I can't do another goalkeeper transfer. Yeah. But, like, maybe, actually, he's a rotation option. Like, if you do, if you are rotating 4.5s, maybe Darlow is a man. Yeah. I, I think there's an interesting sort of... Um... Like you could take a different strategy with someone like Darlow because I don't expect that Newcastle are going to be keeping loads of clean sheets. Mm. They may. They may improve defensively, but I guess you could look at their fixtures and say, you know, they've, they're facing a few teams who have been struggling to score goals. I mean, I heard Spurs, for example, have only scored one goal from open play this season. Wow. And if we think back to how they were perceived after the first game of the season beating City... It's kind of changed a lot now, just a, a few games later after a few sort of tricky uh, tricky matches and poor results. But I think Newcastle, the way they're playing, their games are so open and so chaotic that the goalkeeper is going to pick up like a, a whole load of saves. And you can kind of trade that to a certain extent. If, if they're reliable shot stoppers, you can trade that for clean sheets and kind of take the gamble that they're going to have these kinds of performances. And I think at 4.5, like he'd be a definite front runner for a wild card because I'm looking at Sanchez for, for Brighton and obviously they conceded today. He picked up a yellow. I think their fixtures are still okay, but they do kind of turn a little bit uh, when they, when they have to face Man City, they've got Liverpool after that. Then they've got Newcastle, Villa, Leeds, West Ham. Like that could be, maybe a little bit tricky um so yeah he's a he's an intriguing one 
good good little pick out there. I love that. Um, and of course, Erdegaard scored this week, which was very nice. But um, he's five point five. That's that's good. I had him, <laughs> so <I> got some <laughs> points. Um, and yeah, he came away with three bonus points. I, I think there's not enough from Arsenal yet. I, I do think the one place to look at for Arsenal is defense because with that back four of Tomiyasu, uh, White, Gabriel, and Tierney, and even Tavares to an, to an extent if he has to come in, they look a, be- a much better unit than they have done with the likes of Holding and Marie. I just think there there's a nice balance of different types of defenders there, but from the highlights, certainly from what I saw, there was a lot of like very committed defending, and one of the things that I think people would often hurl at Arsenal as a criticism over the years is that they don't they don't seem like they want it they don't seem up seem up for the fight and um with with Ramsdale as well actually Ramsdale could be a really good option Mm. I know there's a lot of rumors swirling around at the moment but he's looked really good and I'm kind of the the part of Arsenal that I'm worried about is their ability to score goals but with this run that they have you know they're playing a lot of lower ranked teams that uh, teams that they would be expected to beat and that's two one nils in a row and ramsdale i think came away with yeah a couple of bonus points three bonus points is it i can't remember how many saves he had to make um oh three saves so he had two bonus points um odegaard took the three and white came away with a bonus point as well despite being a little bit mistakey at times um but yeah, they're very well priced. And I think if they're keeping up that level of performance and that level of commitment, you'll probably see a decent amount of clean sheets from Arsenal this year. And they they do seem to fix potentially that right back problem that, that has been really tormenting us for the last few years. And I guess the Spurs game this weekend will be a good yardstick to measure that, that kind of progress and, and how much better this unit we have right now is because we're coming up against Son and Kane, who've typically been kryptonite for the Arsenal defence. But yeah, just one to keep an eye on. And and Odegaard and Smith-Rowe, you know, they're both still really cheap. Uh, Smith-Rowe had a number of chances that he just didn't convert. I still think he's got to come good this season, but really it's just a case of him getting his shots off properly. I mean, he, he gets into amazing positions, kind of like Traore, I guess, a guy who, you know, he does all the right things, and it's just that final touch that you just need him to to improve on um, for him to kind of step up into that elite tier. But yeah, I think um, overall, like pretty happy with, with the way that the team has been playing defensively. It's more a question of goals to, to come from now. Um, and special mention for Everton, massive letdown this week. What load of rubbish that was. After Decore's masterclass, can't believe they did us like that horrible um okay let's move on game week six preview what's going on we got some fixtures i heard we have so many fixtures um there are just 10 as there are every <laughs> week <laughs> um, the early kickoff is uh chelsea man city so obviously no lukaku captain anyone thank you good please don't do it it's not worth it it's not worth the pain I so I currently have my captain on Salah because I haven't changed it. Um but I'm not like overly confident about it. And I'm wondering do we all just captain Everton players because they're playing Norwich? <laughs> no. The answer okay. is no. <laughs> because I did have my vice captain on Decore this week. Hmm. Um I've moved it to Greenwood, but I could be tempted to move it back. Okay. United playing Villa. That oh, that's at twelve thirty as well. Oh yes, I saw this earlier, and then I forgot. Just looking at it, I wasn't really looking. They're both at the same time. Yeah, that's mad, isn't it? Two twelve thirty games. Like, who Why does are that? Why they doing this? But the other one isn't on TV. So, like, what's the point? It seems crazy to have two twelve thirties, and then we still have to have a Monday fixture. That's the craziest bit. Yeah, they sh- they've shown that they can put two on at the same time that isn't three p.m. <laughs> But then they're like, no, we need Monday. Yeah, so Palace Brighton is obviously the... Well, it's not obvious, but it's the Monday night fixture. And it's the M23 derby. The M23 derby, the old classic. The the one that my grandchildren will be hearing about. <laughs> um, yeah, honestly, I think Salah is just this week. 
it's such an obvious pick. I mean, they're playing Brentford. It's away from home. I think that's just going to be a good game. Um, talked about Brentford a lot on this podcast, and I, I think they're the kind of team that coming up against a, a big team like Liverpool, you'll probably see something a bit akin to Liverpool's games against Leeds, where they're just a bit open and a bit end-to-end and a bit exciting. I think both teams will probably score. Um I'd be surprised if Brentford didn't at least, you know, get a good few chances in this, but mm. I think Liverpool are, are going to be far too good for them. And I think Liverpool have low-key started the season really well for a team who didn't really sign anyone this summer and for a team that I think kind of get forgotten about when City are signing Grealish for £100 million and and talking about signing Kane and, and Man United have brought in Ronaldo and Sancho. I think Liverpool just have that advantage of just being a settled side and having a really good coach and get getting some of their best players back. And um, Konate, even if he's not a starter week in, week out, having another player that is kind of of that top level in central defence to come in for a guy like Van Dijk just makes their, their sort of rotation a lot easier. So, yeah, I, it seems very, ob- uh, very obvious to me. I'm looking at the other games in Everton. I mean, if they had Dominic Calvert-Lewin... Yeah. Then I think, yeah, you you'd probably be captain in him. Maybe even if they had Richarlison as well, I'd mm. feel a little bit more comfortable captaining yeah. someone in that team. Not necessarily looked, Richarlison, but yeah. someone. They looked really poor without both of them against um who do they play? Villa. Yeah. I, I, I do wonder how much like I don't know if you noticed, but the crowd was like super loud. It it felt like a a kind of crazy atmosphere at that game. And I do wonder how much of that kind of impacted Everton because they could not string any passes together. And it was, I don't think Villa were all that much better at sort of keeping the ball, but they at least had attacks and Everton just looked really, really blunt. Um, I thought Rondon started okay, actually, but besides that, just nothing really happened. They didn't really threaten. Um, And then, yeah, Leon Bailey came on and really announced himself and then picked up an injury and walked off. Um, <laughs> and, and a yellow card, of course, because he took his shirt off, which I love. I oh, love yeah. to see I it. Oh, yeah, forgot about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, Leeds, West Ham, Leicester, Burnley. I mean, Leicester are an interesting one because they, I think they've had a really poor start to the season, lost today against Brighton. I mean, but so have Burnley. Burnley have, but you kind of expect it from Burnley, right? They're, they're one of the teams that are always expected to go down. Poor Burnley. So I... I would love to look back at the stats, actually, because I'm sure around Christmas every year we're talking about Burnley going down and they always just go on a run and come back. And I guess Bournemouth were kind of like this as well back in the day, right? They'd always just put a run together when it mattered. Um, they could lose 10 games in a row and they look for sure like they're going down and then they just put enough together. Maybe, maybe time runs out for Burnley and they can't keep doing that, but... I also wouldn't be too concerned because they're a team that they they don't score a lot of goals. And when you don't score a lot of goals, you end up losing a lot of games 1-0. So it's kind of to be expected. And maybe this, I mean, this is quite a big game for both teams, actually, because Leicester need to, to start picking up some points. They wouldn't have expected to lose to Brighton. Um, they They had a pretty tough game in midweek against Napoli. And I think in general, they... They might struggle to deal with the amount of football with the Europa League and, and also, you know, players they've lost to injury before, like James Justin, so they can't, like, fully rotate their squad. It It's an interesting one to watch, although Vardy did score again, of course, which just seems to be, you know, it's just routine for him. He'll They can be shit and he'll just put a goal away anyway. Yeah, um, I almost wish Leicester were generally playing a bit better so that Vardy could be... An, an option hmm. i think with him like yeah he might score a goal every other game hmm. but like it's not exciting which i think is a shame because i would have liked to i would have <laughs> liked for him to be like in the mix that's always been the problem with vardy though hasn't it it's like it's not it's not too exciting he's just like a a lot of the time he's just a one goal a game guy and they'll be shit, but he'll just do something magic and or, or like not even do something magic, but like maybe win a penalty or just be that split second quicker than someone else to get get a sort yeah. of pretty lucky goal or like like a 
I don't mean lucky as in he doesn't deserve it, but I mean lucky in the sense that, you know, his timing is just yeah. right. Yeah. Um, and I guess, yeah, Burnley Palace, United Brentford for them. Like, he could be he could be a differential captain in this sort of thing, but I just don't think... I don't think you need to, you know? At, at this point of the season when Liverpool are playing Brentford and you've got other teams kind of struggling, Chelsea are playing City... Arsenal playing Spurs. We still don't really know what what the deal is with Arsenal or Spurs right now. It feels like we don't have options. And Calvert-Lewin being out is a huge one. I I guess Leeds-West Ham could be a potentially interesting game. What what do you think about that? Like, Antonio returns, right? I think he's he's back for this. Yeah, I guess. Uh, Well, yeah, Antonio will even be back for West Ham to face Man United again in the midweek in the Carabao. (laughs) Yeah. I hate when that happens. I think it's so boring. Like that time when Arsenal had to play Man City like three times in a month. Oh, God. It's like, oh, this is so dull. We've seen this. We've seen them lose 3-0 already. We don't need to see it two more times. I swear that happened like two seasons in a row. And it's the most depressing thing as an (laughs) Arsenal fan because it, it, it makes you just sink lower and lower. Because the way that City played us, especially in that period of time, was that we would be in it for about three minutes and it'd be like, oh, yeah, we had a chance. And then City would score from their first shot. And then they just pass around us. And then it just gradually become 3-0. And it, it's amazing, like, when you have a football game like that, where there's just no possible way you can have hope. Like, that, that, is, that is torturous. It's awful. And to do it three times in a week? God. Yeah. Oh, it sucks. But, yeah, go on. That was it. I mean, yeah, so I don't know. We'll, we'll see with West Ham. I'm excited to have Antonio back because at least maybe I can have 10 players in my team this week and that'll do. Yeah. Um. Well, they certainly missed him today. I mean, having Noble yeah. come on to take that penalty oh my God, and miss yeah. it was was torturous. I, I can't. I can't get over this. We saw Southgate do this in the summer. What's his face? <laughs> Moyes. He must have been watching. He. There's no way he didn't watch that match, right? Because you just would. You would watch the final of the Euros. I I would Uh, expect him to have watched it, yeah. Yeah, so he saw it. He saw that play out. And then he still thought, two two months later, he thought, yes, bringing Noble on just to take a penalty will be a good idea. Like, are you you dumb? Do you think he was perhaps, you know, desperate for that narrative? He just wanted to, he wanted to create the story. No, than I hate that. Just match. let Rice take it. If Rice is there <laughs> on the like, look, I'm not like I don't reckon Rice is probably that good at penalties. I'm sure he scored one recently, but anyway, by the by, if he's there, he's taken the ball. He's in line in the order that they have on the pitch to take it. Let him go. Let him have a mm. let him have a go for what? Just let him have like, okay. Fine, yeah. maybe he's not your first choice, but just let him have it. That's rude. I'd be pissed off. If I was Rice, I'd be annoyed. I'd be annoyed like that time when Henderson took that penalty and missed. I'm still upset about that. And that was about <laughs> six months ago now. And that was that was like a friendly match as well. <laughs> yeah, that's it, that was why it was even more annoying because it was like, for what? Oh, you've scored in a friendly. Well done, Jordan Henderson, you dickhead. Yeah, only he didn't score in a friendly. And, exactly. And yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. I mean... Declan Rice has been on the pitch. He's played a really good game. Just let him take it. Let him draw the game. Like, at some point you have to move on from Noble. Like, he didn't do anything. <laughs> he just came off the bench to have one kick. What are they going to do next season when Noble's not there? Like, call him up every time they've got a penalty. Be like, sorry, mate. We've got, we've got a penalty. Do you mind coming down? Like, what? Just one last job. Come on, buddy. <laughs> you got to... Uh... Man, that that would be hilarious. Like phone a friend, but for football. Yeah. Um, that really sucks. West Ham should have got a point out of that, and they're idiots for doing it. But yeah, and the Ronaldo goal was unfortunate as well. Like if Fabianski had just managed to hold on to the ball rather. Yeah, than that was kind of spill. weird. I thought that was quite bad goalkeeping. I, I know he didn't have much time to react, but like to fumble it and give it straight back to him. He did make some good saves after that as well, mm. but but it was just kind of like a, this is one of those where i'm not sure how you draw the narrative because i think a lot of people could say oh that's just ronaldo's instinct you know he's a mm. goal he's got this goal scoring instinct but no any striker i think would have been there yeah it, it it's just there seems to be an element of luck to all of his goals so far <laughs> and i'm like 
is this going to keep happening? And he'll have scored 35 goals. And I'm like, he can't keep getting this lucky. <laughs> uh, I'm wondering. I'm, I'm fearful of it. But also, like, I mean, what, he got... I don't know if he got any bonus points, but he... No, I don't think he did. Just the six. Yeah, he was fairly decent today, but it wasn't the kind of performance that had me thinking, oh, yes, I need this guy. No, I'm, I'm sure. still kind of on the on the Lukaku train, really, and we'll see how that plays out. Um, but yeah, should we move on to a clean sheet cup? Yes. Okay, I've got some big news. Uh, so obviously, I went for Norwich Watford 0-0, um, which couldn't have been further from the truth in the end. But It was actually, yeah, the least... <laughs> the least close to nil-nil <laughs> yeah. of all of the games of the weekend. Who would have thought? And I couldn't remember who you'd picked. Can you? Yeah, neither could I. Okay. I have no idea. I I think I might have gone for Arsenal. You didn't. Okay. And when I opened this up, I was extremely shocked to, to see <laughs> to see that you'd gone with Wolves. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> And I remember saying I, I didn't want to take Arsenal because I didn't want to jinx it. Yeah. And I guess that came out. Mm. <laughs> that that worked, but... At least. I did jinx Wolves. So but... maybe that's why they had such a poor performance then. And they were so... Oh, God. It was painful. It was so painful, that penalty. But that sucks. Oh, I can't believe I went for wolves yeah so that's embarrassing for you um so i'll let you go first this week what would you like all right let's have a look this is where i start to think do i need to get fancy with this because norwich are fighting for their lives you know everton put in a really poor performance they're, they're still missing a lot of players don't think they're very good defensively and they have conceded a goal in every game but one so far this season so i'm gonna leave them I don't have any faith in Leicester against Burnley, even though Burnley are shit. Um, Watford, Newcastle, probably going to be a goal fest. Man United, hell no. I might go for a really wild one here and say Chelsea against Man City. Wow. Chelsea to keep a clean sheet. Okay. That's actually, looking through these, that is the one I'd feel most confident about, apart from maybe Liverpool, but I don't want to curse it. Don't want to jinx it. Okay, I'm going to have Southampton against Wolves. Okay. That'd be good for me, actually. I'd rate that. Because I've got... Oh, I don't have Livermento in my team. I might put him in now. Based on that. But yeah, cool. I, I think that's it. I think we've finished our podcast for the Mitchell. week. Nice. Um. So yeah, I guess if you've enjoyed this, it would be very nice if you could go and rate it on iTunes, which is not called iTunes anymore. The Apple, the Apple of podcasts. Yep. That one. Um, give us a little five star rating, say how much you loved us both and, and how much you still love us, of, of course. You can email us at hello at the com, or you can also find us on Twitter at the Denalysis. And mm-hmm. yeah, I guess that's it for this week. We will speak to you next week. Probably going to still record on the Sunday night despite the Monday night game. I'm sure no one will be too sad that we're missing out palace and brighton analysis i I don't know i might be i might Uh, be sad well you know i'll be sad too but monday night (laughs) recording is just it's not the one um but yeah we'll be back next week and until then everybody stay safe fantasy responsibly and i need a new catchphrase is what i've learned today (laughs) cool bye bye